we are delighted to be once again brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic is a subscription journalism service providing the best coverage of Manchester United and more from writers like Laurie Whitwell, Oliver Kay, Adam Crafton, David Ornstein and Daniel Taylor. Their world-class team of writers is brought to you completely ad-free on their app. There's no ads, no annoying pop-ups and they go really in-depth on a huge range of topics around all different aspects of football to start a seven day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription meaning it works out to just £2.50 a month head to theathletic.co.uk slash n-q-a-t pod that's theathletic.co.uk slash n-q-a-t pod How was your Christmas? It was all right, actually. I had a big barn out in the countryside with all the in-laws in it. Yeah, I know. That's why we needed a big <laughs> barn <laughs> with at least three different living areas so I could yeah. escape children, grandparents, wife, everything. Uh, and uh, and children, sit in front of uh, Amazon and watch the football. Yeah, children, grandparents, wife in that order. I think that's a banner, isn't it? I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't get to sit in front of Amazon because I went to the football and I was like, ah, oh, should have picked almost literally any other game to go to because this is just so darn convenient. But anyway, it was uh, it was really nice to be back at Old Trafford for the first time in, since the opening day of the season. So yeah, it felt, felt real good to be there. And 8-1 aggregate scoreline in the two games that I've been to this season. You're a uh, lucky was, mascot. Yeah, it was suggested to me by, uh, by a friend that Edward would, should pay for me to have a season ticket of some kind. But I think he could probably invest his money more wisely because it's just a freak of coincidence. Mm. And I'm not sure that Edward would invest any money particularly wisely, but we'll come on to that when we talk about uh, the latest uh, transfer news and stuff, rumours and stuff like that. Um, We've played twice. I mean, normally we only get one game to talk about on these pods uh, since we record so bloody often. But since we were lazy and had a break over Christmas, check out our Christmas special, people. We've got two games to talk about and two victories. And how many defeats did you did you predict exactly, Paul? One. I predicted one draw, one defeat, one point from the six available. In fact, we got six points from the six available. A massive thank you to producer Tom for all his hard work on the Christmas special. Lots of people have been saying nice things about that show. The reason that they liked it is his work, basically, because um, it, was, it was great having all the audio and stuff in there. But yeah. I, pre- I predicted two draws, and to be fair, when Newcastle went 1-0 up early on in that Boxing Day game, I was pretty scared. Now, I watched the game back because I saw a lot of kind of like, oh my God, we were terrible for the first 20 minutes. But we were not, in fact, terrible for the first 20 minutes. We were completely fine until about two minutes before they scored, when we just imploded for a period of about five to ten minutes. Yes, although it was the pattern that we demonstrate in so many of these games where United really didn't create a thing for those opening 20-odd minutes, just played in front of Newcastle when we had the ball. And I think at uh, the end of the first half, didn't United have some 70-something percent possession 
um, ended up at 60-something uh, by the end of the game, which is an awful lot of possession and, and a lot of times in those games that United just don't create very much at all. On this occasion, we had a bit of a helping hand, I think, and Newcastle certainly contributed to two goals and Steve Bruce moaned about all four of them that United scored and I, I think, I mean, he's got a point, better defending and we could have been in some trouble in this game but uh, it's Newcastle and they had a rare off day because they've actually been defensively pretty good this season and United really capitalised on it and uh, it was great, it was great, hadn't scored four goals in quite some time. Uh, it's, it's a shame for the last 20 minutes or so that they took the foot off the gas just a little bit because uh, five, we haven't scored five in a very long time. I think we haven't scored five in a year. A year and four days it would have been, wouldn't it? Well, uh, Manchester City have scored five about five times since then. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't that long ago that we scored four. I'm sure we scored four in the Europa League fairly recently, I feel like. But yeah, five was a long time ago. And the Europa League doesn't really count, does it? We didn't create much, but we did get like three corners quickly on the bounce. One of those led to a, a counter-attack. The Almiron shot, which was a big let-off, I thought. That Gale blasted over after like him and Joe Linton combined brilliantly to sort of walk through the whole of United's defence. And then for the goal, it was a brilliant pass from Longstaff to Joe Linton and his hold-up work was excellent mm-hmm. to get it back to Longstaff. But I mean, Bruce was right to criticise Newcastle's defending. United's defending on that goal, I thought was was really, really dreadful, just all over the place. Yes, and that was the 14th game in a row in which United had conceded a goal. Uh, And certainly during this game, uh, although we'll come on to Burnley because it was a bit different, I think the call to um, at least put pressure on Lindelof in particular, but Maguire's culpable as well, uh, fairly frequently with uh, Eric Bailly and Axel Tuinzebi being brought back into the squad, is you know, kind of got stronger, didn't it? So, I mean, if you if you don't have a clean sheet for 14 games, there's some problems, even though United haven't actually conceded an awful lot of goals this season. It's just the fact that we always seem to concede something is a problem. Uh, and Lindelof didn't have an awesome game against Newcastle. I thought he was actually very good against Burnley, but that hasn't necessarily been the pattern this season, has it? No, absolutely not. I was impressed by the way we got back into that game even before the goal. Uh, heads didn't drop and that's been a, a massive problem. And given how sort of calamitous we'd looked because their goal was basically their third really good opportunity within the space of about five minutes. I thought we did we did well to kind of kind of grow into the into the game really well. There was uh, some lovely interplay around the edge of the box almost straight away after after their goal. And then Martial's goal was was well executed. A nice little layoff from Pereira. We'll talk a lot about him on this show, I think. Not perhaps uh, completely revising the position in the way that some of our friends would like us to, but he certainly deserves a bit of credit for some of the stuff he's done. Although that there were, there were also some pretty questionable decisions and passes and shots and all that stuff. But, you know, he's had a better couple of games for sure. And then it it was the second, it was their second goal, wasn't it, where they gave the ball to Greenwood on the edge of the area. Fabian Scher was a bit under, it was kind of a, United pressed a bit, but it was a sort of quite a gentle press, really. And he just sort of coughed up the ball to Mason. Yeah, United pressed pretty well in both the Newcastle game and the Burnley game. And clearly it's something they've been working on and finally executed on it. 
I don't think he was under that much pressure. I mean, that's just a massive defensive cock-up, really. He hasn't looked around and hasn't been very aware of uh, the space and what's happening around him. And that's a surprise because he's actually pretty composed, Fabian Scherer. I think he's one of the better defenders outside the top sort of six. Um, and it's unusual. And one of the reasons why Newcastle are, are you know, reasonably tight at the back this season. Um, but just, yeah, complete gift for... Yeah, complete gift for United. And United took massive advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite the level of Christmas present that the one slipped through to Martial was. Like, Steve Bruce, fully in the Santa Claus role, beloved at United, of course, and always will be, uh, for those of us of a certain age. And he's got the sort of general frame and demeanour to be an excellent Santa Claus. But the, uh, it was... The Greenwood one was, he still had a lot to do and he did it really well. I have to say it was down the other end. I was in the Stretford end and I genuinely thought that he had put the swerve on it, the, the dip on it himself. But of course it, it did come off the di- the defender. because it looks it was, pretty spectacular. It, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, still still a, a very fine strike and he had he had an excellent game all round, I thought. Yeah, one, one of his coaches in the aftermath, I've forgotten his name now, Said that uh, he was he was always able to hit it that cleanly and that powerfully. It's just a natural thing. It wasn't necessarily a learned technique, and he could do it from like age five. That was one of the things that used to be said about David Beckham, who could also strike a ball extremely cleanly. And uh, I think it's, he can he's going to score a bag of go- bag loads of goals for United because he can a bag of goals. It's a collective noun there. A bag loads. Bag. He's going to score so many goals because he can score. The scruffy ones, he can score off either foot. He can score. I'm sure he'll have a go at some free kicks. We've definitely seen that in the age group teams. Um, he's he's he scores penalties with either foot. In fact, he takes some takes penalties with his right and free kicks with his left because you know uh, he can strike them long. So he's he's just going to score so many goals if he stays fit and and sensible. And and Ollie talked after the game about. Uh, what a great kid he is to work with because he's just keen to learn all the time. Mm, great. If you combine natural ability with a kind of work ethic and a desire to be studious and learn, you're going to go a really long way. Someone else who will score hatfuls of goals for Manchester United, uh, he's continuing his Cristiano Ronaldo impression by adding headed goals. Me and me and Cal, a friend of the show, Cal Gilda, were talking about how Rashford never scores headers a couple of weeks ago. And uh, bang, an absolute peach of a cross from Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who put another brilliant one in literally three minutes later. But yeah, a beautiful cross from Wan-Bissaka and a fantastic header from Rashford. Just attacked the ball brilliantly, got good hang time. Spectacular, really, really fantastic. Yeah, um, Wan-Bissaka getting the assist there because he doesn't have too many this season. In fact, the only chance he created. Uh, it's it's the weakness. And of course, every, everyone, everyone I, always... I'm not having... Now, I'm not having that the only chance he created thing because literally he did put in an absolutely beautiful cross three minutes later. Like, you know, it's very like semantics that, isn't it? Fine, that's semantics, but his record this season isn't semantics. Yeah, no, it's, it's the not. weakest area of his game. So it was nice to see he actually put in a decent cross because he doesn't do that very often. When you look down the rows at Trent Alexander-Arnold, it's an unfair comparison, of course, because he's basically a winger playing at fullback. But he gets, he's into double figures of assists already this season so um, yeah they should they should have a tackle off yeah I wonder I wonder who would win that one like because obviously like you say Alexander Arnold's playing in a an extremely functional team he's uh, and 
Comparing Wan-Bissaka, this plays a long way down the crossing spectrum that you could compare Wan-Bissaka to, unfavourably probably, but like you're basically comparing him to one of the best full-back crosses of the ball sure. the game's ever seen, you know. Um, but like defensively as well, Wan-Bissaka's so good. Obviously, we know this, don't we? You just hope that um, there's there's something being worked on there because he he, he can't be an all-round full-back. In that. He's, like, Gary never got away with it for much of his career. Um, in teams that played very, very differently. But in these kind of narrow teams these these days with inside forwards, the only width comes from the fullbacks. It's a really important position. And it will be for United as well. And as we've seen in the, the sort of um, juxtaposition between what Luke Shaw gives us going forward, absolutely nothing, and Brandon Williams, quite a lot, you know, it can be really add uh, something something to a team. And so that's why we want Juan Bazaka to be better at that. And when it comes down to like practice, Oli said after um, the Newcastle game that they'd been working on it with Rashford, like to not only in the gym but on the on the training ground to score more headed goals. So yeah, it's brilliant because you know the, the the operation turned Marcus Rashford into the complete footballer is is well underway, and and you know the the front three all scored in this game. Greenwood didn't play in the Burnley game, but Martial and Rashford scored again in these games. Like they are, they are doing what they're meant to be doing at this point, and it's really fantastic to see because we've been talking all season about what a kind of gamble it is to stick with the two of them and how it's there's no guarantee that they'll be able to, you know, carry the burden of goal scoring. But they're doing it; they really are doing it, and yes. it's it's a joy. It's an absolute joy. The risk is, of course, injury. Right, United are d- desperately thin there. We've got four players into three spots um, in the attacking areas. If if we have to bring Pereira or Mata into those one of those attacking three, it completely changes the the nature of the the side. So like, it's not a surprise that United have been looking around the transfer market for more attacking players, whether it's coming off the right or through the middle. You, you like to fight on all these fronts. We're we're short. We're not as short as we are in. The number ten role, obviously, um, even though uh, Pereira's had a, a you know a couple of decent games. I think, I mean, it's it's really odd because he's he is a creative player and he's played all his uh, football youth team level sort of in attacking roles, much more attacking roles. And he's talked about that actually this week, Andreas Pereira, how how much more of an attacking role he has played in. Um, but but when he gets into the final third, his best work is always defensive. You know, he he's the Brazilian Sung Park at this stage, you know, and he, he gets around the pitch and he he's the first guy to do the pressing. And we saw against Burnley, that can really pay off as well. You know, not only has he got the ball back and put in a brilliant ball, but that's always the best stuff he does. And it's, not, you know, the attacking piece hasn't really functioned. And it's a problem because when Mata is the most creative of all of them and just hasn't got the legs anymore... And then Lingard and Pereira are better off the ball than on it. Yeah, I mean, Pereira, in the last three weeks, did that absolutely incredible skill. Was that in the in the League Cup? I think it was in the League Cup. And then he put in, he, he did the good work chasing down that you would almost expect. But what you wouldn't then expect is for his the weight of his through ball to be absolutely perfect for Martial. But it was, it split the Burnley, the remaining Burnley defence beautifully. No, no, I think you can expect that because we've seen that from him. He's got that talent, time on the ball. He he does pass the ball really well. He's he's got the technique. 
he strikes the ball really cleanly. These, these are things that are natural to him. The thing that he hasn't been able to do is take command of a game, like have any influence on it other than in these moments. It's been very frustrating to watch him all season and been very critical of him on this show. And I don't think like unfairly, particularly in terms of the performance levels. But the one thing that I'm really reluctant to do is assume that I know from the information that I have where his ceiling could be or whether or not like actually a lot of what's happened this season is that although he's had a lot of experience on loan this is his first season being a central part of the United side and maybe maybe his ability to take over and run games will come maybe he does have that in his locker I if I had to guess my guess is that's not coming but also I would definitely not be surprised to be wrong just because I've been wrong frequently about many things, not not least, you know, that's not the least of the reasons why. But also in this case, it is plausible that it's actually just inexperience and all that kind of stuff that is is where he, you know, is the main factor in where he is right now. Sure. Let's talk about some of the other midfielders. Um, Scott McTominay came off injured in this one real... I wanted to have a conversation about that because it looked to me watching it back on telly. So obviously didn't know what was happening when Pogba started warming up in the third minute. But looking at it on telly, it looked like McTominay got injured in the third minute and there wasn't anything else major that happened. And he left in a moon boot after playing 45 minutes. It's a very sort of strange thing. Yes, all heart, no brain there. I think uh, he, he should have come off much earlier and he's got what could be quite a serious knee injury. And I don't think we've had an estimate on how long, but it's, it's knee ligaments. I mean, it's going to be weeks rather than days, isn't it? And that, it's just, as we get one player back, Pogba coming on, played 40-odd minutes, we lose another. And it's just paper thin, paper, paper thin in midfield. And just one, one more injury or and someone in need of a rest. And we're in... Nemanja Matic playing territory. <laughs> so anyway, and that's fine so long as we play Burnley every week because he was actually completely serviceable for most of that game. He he, um, he was, and he's fine when he's on the ball. Honestly, yeah. he's you know that his passing range hasn't hasn't been depleted. You know he's he's fine on the ball. It's it's if he has to do anything defensive, and Burnley just didn't hardly had any of the ball and weren't able to run past him. But but who had a good game against Newcastle and against Burnley was Fred. I mean, he's gone from being. I'm not even sure calling him a pub footballer last season was was right. You know, it's an insult to pub footballers. He just didn't even look like a footballer. And and now he's got to run the side. He's got some confidence. He's looking like a, a talented player. Owen Hargreaves on the um, BT Sport coverage of the Burnley game said, no, you know, he seemed to actually have some insight from his home in Ukraine. Who knew Owen Hargreaves watched a lot of Ukrainian football? But apparently... And was you know talking about the guy's technique and and his qualities and so maybe we're seeing it now because if he's that kind of player he's he's kind of hybrid isn't he he's not an attacking player and he's not a defensive player but if he's that kind of all energy ratter that's getting around the pitch he's going to be very useful for United. Yeah, and and the number of times he's had bad games this season it's much smaller than the number of times he's had good games this season, well, I would that's say. Right. And, and he made more key passes in this game, it's the Newcastle game, than anyone else on the pitch. Pretty amazing. The big news story, of course, was that at half-time Pogba came on for McTominay, start of the second half, and honestly, I'm sure lots of people get super mad because you can't talk about him without... But the extent to which he is the best player in this team, it's just ridiculous i mean like obviously 
Rashford's doing amazing at the moment. Martial is in a wonderful moment and they're both really super talented players. Fred's playing great. The defenders are playing all right. Brandon Williams was brilliant against Burnley, but Pogba just looks different gravy when he came on. Like He didn't do anything particularly spectacular. There was that one moment where his shot just missed by a fraction and it would have been so perfect because all his work in the build-up to that chance was was wonderful and his positional play was excellent. But he was also, you know, I mean, this is the oldest story in the book, but just super positionally disciplined all the way through that half. Just, you know, if you compare him to Gerard, like, you know, all that skill and talent and he just couldn't bring himself to sit. Pogba just does it. He, he doesn't complain. He doesn't make a fuss. He, he sits and he'll get forward when the time's right. But, you know, there were times when I was looking around going, oh, where's Pogba? And this is, is it going is to come to Pogba? Because I was just buzzing for a Pogba goal. And he wasn't there because he was just waiting in, in position and, you know, being defensively sensible. Yeah, I mean, look, it's absolutely fantastic. He's back. He's going to make a big difference to this team. It's just a just a huge blow to lose Scott McTominay now because McTominay's going to give him more freedom. Without him, we, Fred will end up playing deeper, I assume. That's a problem because it's, you know, Fred's been uh, enjoying her, a renaissance in a slightly more forward role than, than just sitting there. So it's going to upset the balance of things and it's just a real shame. But of course, people lost the run of themselves when he was quite sensibly left out of the team that played those thugs at Burnley who tried to kick the crap out of Dan James for 90 minutes, you know. Yeah. And, and like, just an awful, awful piece in the Daily Mail saying, oh, United should sell him because he couldn't even be bothered to get on the bus. I mean, look, the guy, he's been out for months with a soft tissue uh, ligament damage. He definitely should not play. He's got to look at the reaction. Solskjaer said in the press conference afterwards that he he felt a reaction. They couldn't risk him. Just sensible. Just just sensible. It's madness to think otherwise. And then to somehow go, well, he he couldn't even be bothered to get on the bus. Therefore, get rid. At one stage in that um, article, the journalist who honestly used to be a decent journalist, but he's having to go at him for not being on Twitter for the last month. I, I thought his problem was he's on social media all the time. I saw the headline and I could not bring myself to read that article because it was such typical nonsense. And it's so viscerally upsetting because of where it all comes from. Not in this particular individual's case, I wouldn't imagine, but culturally. But anyway, the, the thing, one of the things about like him feeling reaction is I'm sure the plan was not to give Pogba 45 minutes in that game. I'm sure that was not the plan until, you know, McTominay was croc. So, and, and like you said, the, the treatment that was dished out to Dan James, it was a good job that Pogba's ankle wasn't on the receiving end of that treatment because a recovering ankle should not be. Very brief word, positive word to end the Newcastle chat on. Martial getting a brace, two one-on-ones in really good positions in the last week. Both of them clinically executed by the kid. Um, The hope and dreams of all Martial FC lived. Yeah, uh, he just needs to stay fit. He's scoring at one in two uh, this season. And he's he's been juggled around a little bit, mostly playing up front. If he plays up front for the rest of the season, United play another 30 games or something, he's going to score, he's going to have a 20 plus 25 goal season, you know, and this is what we want from him. He's got the talent. 
it's not just the goals, is it? Like his all round, there's been a lot of um, analysis and emphasis on this, but he is an excellent number nine. Like he's just really good at holding up the ball, bringing other people into play. He's obviously not just like using his physicality to hold off defenders like a big number nine would, but actually his ability to kind of like flick the ball and touch it off and lay it off and also... I mean, he's been criticised for dropping deep too often, but like he's very willing to to come and drop deep and help out, but also not just help out in a defensive sense, but help out by creating space. And he's a very bright footballer too. I, I just, I just love him. I love him, and I, it's great to see him thriving. You're right. As long as he can stay fit, there's there's very decent numbers coming from him this season. All right, great. With that, that's the Newcastle game. We'll take this quick break, and we'll be straight back to you. As I said at the beginning of the show, we are absolutely delighted to be brought to you by The Athletic. The best coverage of Manchester United and more from writers like Laurie Whitwell, Oliver Kay, Adam Crafton, David Ornstein and Daniel Taylor. Theirs is generally a world-class team of writers, not just covering United, but covering every team in the Premier League. And um, I think six teams, six clubs in the Championship also have Including dedicated. Leeds, but you know, we'll, we'll forgive them for that. Maybe. Their app's lovely. It's completely ad-free. There's no ads. And there's no annoying Unlike pop-ups. Unlike this show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you want to take advantage of a 50% discount, that's a big discount, making it £2.50 per month, eight pence a day, to get access to all this content, then head to www.theathletic.co.uk slash pod, And it super helps out the show if that's how you choose to get access to their service. Um, there's been some some really good stuff this week. I think the, the, the pick of the bunch for me was the article by Daniel Taylor on something that we talked about. You mentioned it. We didn't know this article was coming, obviously. Uh, we, we haven't been granted inside access because of this uh, sponsorship deal. Um, but Daniel Taylor wrote an article uh, discussing Rooney's kind of physical drop-off and the fact that Zlatan's at AC Milan and Ronaldo's at Juventus, uh, but Rooney's starting in the championship for Derby County. Yeah, uh, Ronaldo, interestingly, is super, super keen for everyone to know how fit and strong he is and how much he works out. Uh, videos of him in a pool. I mean, you know, he's doing a bit of running in a pool. Anyway, back to the article. Yes, I thought this was a fascinating piece looking at uh, Zlatan's return to Europe. 53 goals in 58 appearances for LA Galaxy and he signed for AC Milan on a reasonably short-term deal and there's a lot of clubs looking at him including those in the Premier League who still believe that he's got it age 38 and we'll see we'll see whether he does his his uh, ego is such that he really wants to believe that he's still got it whereas Rooney who's played a very similar number of games as uh, Daniel Taylor points out over his career really started declining perhaps 10 years the age mm. of of like uh, maybe even earlier than that, you know. I was going to say no. like, ten years younger than Zlatan is now. Oh, I thought you were going to say ten years ago, and I was like, that is harsh, even for you talking about Rooney. Yes. <laughs> yeah, look, he was he was barely a twinkle in the milkman's eye, and he started declining as a footballer. No, yeah, in his mid twenties, basically, it was the the long slow decline, as as Taylor puts it, uh, and and it's very true, and and. I think he's very generous in this piece in saying, in basically saying it's because he used to run around like a madman. There were some, definitely some other factors in there. Daniel Taylor intimates that that might also be the case in yeah. 
fairly measured way. Some some really good stuff on The Athletic generally, not even just about United. A, a really interesting article, an interview with Frank Sinclair talking about receiving a bullet in the post at Chelsea, written by Simon Johnson. And James McNicholas... Uh, That's a bit harsh of Simon. Like, he, <laughs> what, he, he signed his name on the bullet or what? <laughs> Sorry, that that was perhaps unfortunate phrasing, but definitely probably not a topic to joke about, given the the reasons behind all that stuff. Um, And then in lighter news and befitting the fact that making fun of Arsenal at this time of year and any time of year really is always good. The excellent James McNicholas, who covers Arsenal for them, writes an article about Suarez, Higuain, Bar, Sahin, Dudek, the inside story of the Arsenal signings that never happened. Just that club. We will never, ever, no matter how hard we try, become the number one banter club because they will always beat us to it. No, we but- won't. Uh, and covering United is already well, and I think he does some good stuff. Um, much like Dan James, he's uh, been promoted from the championship, was covering Midlands football and uh, a lot of championship football in the Midlands and uh, he's doing a sterling job in the big leagues. Yeah, I really like his uh, his post-match stuff. I really, It's very detailed, it's very analytical, and it's the kind of stuff that they can do because of their model, which is why, you know, we've been talking positively about them since, since they launched in the UK. So, if you want to sign up, it is www.theathletic.co.uk forward slash NQAT pod, £2.50 a month, massively sorts us out. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy no question about that. If so, let others know about us. The best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. So, it was really nice to be at Old Trafford. It was lovely. It was interesting to be in the Stretford End again. Uh, first time since I've been there since they moved the singing section to the Stretford End. And that, that is definitely an experiment that's working. I think that's been evident from the telly and it was it was evident again that there's just a little pocket generating kind of consistent atmosphere throughout the game and does make a big difference. And the weird um, MUFC, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. It's not a good chant. It's quite boring and unimaginative, but it's really fun when it starts. I can see why it starts and carries on because it's just silly and fun to sing. Great. Well, from one set of fans to a really bad set of fans, Burnley fans, Burnley. Worst in the league? I mean, they can't be far off, can they? Oh, yeah, it's got to be rubbish being a Burnley fan, hasn't it? I mean, you'd think they could... They- could develop like a bit of an identity with a sort of you know a sort of Stoke City-esque chip on their shoulder but Stoke fans were horrible but they made loud noises um yeah but I don't know Burnley fans didn't even turn up this whole game was weirdly grim and I was just very glad we beat them I thought the ref did a really really bad job in this game like he let way too much go in the first half we hardly ever talk about refs on this show obviously like a massive thing happens we do but we don't generally assess the refs performance but he let loads of stuff go that he shouldn't have let go and then book brandon williams for being hacked to pieces <laughs> by a burnley player i know and this one's quite i mean brandon williams obviously moving that pace and he's avoided a tackle which you're perfectly allowed to do you know in fact they changed the rules a little while ago. That's a foul. That's a foul. If the player has to avoid you to avoid injury or contact, uh, then it's a foul. Um, and yeah, booking him for a dive. He's just guessed. He can't possibly know that. Anyway, he allowed 
Burnley to target Dan James because that was it looked like a plan. And they said just all cloggers who couldn't get anywhere near him, which is, you know, p- partly true as well because Dan James is seriously rapid over a very short period of you know, distance as well, which makes a really big difference when, when beating a man to a ball. Um, but yeah, they just targeted him. Uh, they were really, really basic in the, the kind of worst kind of way, weren't they, Burnley? Uh, didn't really seem to have any game plan other than to defend and kick the crap out of United. They did, definitely didn't have anything going forward, really, even though they were playing two up front. I mean, didn't, yeah, have, a, didn't uh, have a shot on target until the second half, and they've now only had two shots on target in the last 350 minutes of football. Darren Fletcher, the bad Darren Fletcher, the, the BT Sport commentator Darren Fletcher, has given him a lot of praise for their uh, efficient tactics. Not a long ball if it's an effective strategy was basically what he was saying. It's very much big nonsense talk because it wasn't particularly effective at all. United dealt easily and comfortable with it. But I have to say, um, and definitely should have said this on the preview, Burnley is not a tough place to go. And they foul you a lot, but they lose to every top six team that goes there, basically. I mean, when I say top six, I mean big six. They they just lose a lot of games to big teams at home. They're not they're not good at those games. But it took a while, didn't it? It was uh, it was a, a lot of huffing and puffing until we blew the house down, and it was it was excellent work from um, from Pereira to Hassel Taylor, and he sort of forced an error. Really, it wasn't an unforced error. I mean, Taylor should have done better, but Pereira did really well to nick the ball off him and and like we said earlier, an absolutely beautiful through ball. Yeah, lovely. I mean, Taylor just has a knockout out of play. Just hoof it. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Kick it anywhere and that goal's not getting scored. So I'm sure Sean Dyche was uh, really frustrated with that one. But he's done well, Pereira. He wasn't set up to play on the right, but he's gone over there to to press his man, force the error, as you say. And and it's a lovely lovely 40-yard pass, which he's got right. And... I think there's times during Anthony Martial's sort of lower points at United where he would have fluffed that or tried something too clever, but he's drawn the keeper and side-footed it home and he looks full of confidence. And it was it was a lovely way to go into the half-time break, wasn't it? And United were in complete control anyway of that. I thought, I was worried before the game, given that Matic was playing, Matic, Pereira and Fred not exactly dynamic I mean Fred did well in this game again I think to get around the pitch um and and uh, made a large number of passes successfully and and so on uh but you're worried whether they could get close enough to the front players uh and whether it was all going to be a bit slow and predictable uh, but they had a lot of control and Mata did well at least offensively Mata Matic Whatever, some old yeah, some old dude difference. begin with M. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, past his best, did 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 all right offensively. I mean, uh, used the ball well, um, especially in tight situations. He's always had that, hasn't he? The the ability to sort of, you know, keep the ball, control it in a tight situation, get out and get the pass away. Still got that. He he just he just needs no one to be running at him or past him. And Burnley hardly had any of the ball and weren't able to put any pressure on him at all. So he looks okay in these kinds of games. Absolutely. Uh, someone who looked better than okay 
but I think that in this kind of game is fairly central to that was Brandon Williams, who was absolutely superb in this game. I mean, he was really good defensively. And there was one moment where he looped a, in the first half, looped a crossover um, and found Dan James in loads of space at the back of the box. That was the one where Dan James's shot was blocked, came out to Martial, who, whose shot was scrambled off the line by Bardsley. Um, but just generally speaking, Williams was was excellent from start to finish in this game. He was. I mean, look, he's very comfortable at left back, even though he's right footed. Uh, the the concern, of course, you know, he gets forward a lot. He's been caught out a couple of times with that, but it also adds loads to United's attacking play. He could become a bit predictable cutting inside and trying to play balls over. He's got, you know, he's got to make those sort of runs run back, run the back, which he has been doing, and and put those balls in in order to give um, defenders, you know, two two angles to have to defend. Uh, and he's look, done that a lot. It he, took Ashley Young fifteen years to do that for the first time, yeah. and Brandon Williams is already doing it, and he's literally a child. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so uh, there'll be calls, plenty of calls for him to be in the team uh, against Arsenal. I don't think he will be. And there's also no desperate need to rush him. He's He's got some learning to do. He should play in every single one of these games like this, though. Yeah. When we're playing someone who's obviously United are going to have 60% possession and, and just need every possible attacking outlet, why would you play anyone else? So Ollie talked again about having sort of identified this game some time ago as one that Williams would play in. I, I think Shaw's getting games in, you know, getting games that he doesn't need to play in because Shaw's just, we know, like he just doesn't, doesn't offer anything going forward. Um, I'm sure he'll be gone in the summer, Luke Shaw. I think he's going to get the the treatment in the summer, I would suspect. Well, if he is, United have got to buy two left backs and we can't really do more than three pieces of business per summer. <laughs> yeah, you might. You we might, might be need. Right, we but... might need three or four midfielders. <laughs> yeah, this is good. This is a good point, of course. Um, the uh, the second half, the fact that we hadn't scored a second started to get a little bit hairy. I mean, it was never actually hairy, but it started to feel like, well, if De Gea just has a slight mind blank here, or Burnley finally get one right. We're in, we're in big trouble. Uh, and it was not until the very, very, very end of the game that Marcus Rashford, with a flying kick Rabona along the ground, I think that's the only way you can describe that finish. Um, meant it, he, he meant it. I mean, yeah. it was at that time that George Best chickened out of heading the ball in on, on the line. <laughs> Rashford was going to do that. And it's, it's, it's just hilarious. I mean, he, he sort of miscontrols the ball anyway as he's trying to take it around the keeper. Gets a bit lucky with the rebound. And then... His footing just goes as he's trying to pad the strike the ball and ends up doing it with the wrong foot. But, uh, yeah, they all count, don't they? They all count. And it was a nice breakaway from United. Uh, yeah, assist from Dan James. Uh, he's, got, he's got six assists now this season or something like that. Three goals in his 15 games. I mean, it's a fantastic contribution for a young player who's now, you know, a... a bona fide member of the first team and was excellent in this game despite getting like booted all over the pitch i the, the kind of personal courage and bravery i could not do my job if uh angry men were kicking me a lot during it like i would just stop but he you know he really he really just kept going for it time after time after time and you know, we sort of underestimate that as a as a thing that these people are going through. Like, it's not nice to be repeatedly kicked really hard because you're too fast for a bunch of clodoppers, you know. 
Anyway, I want Burnley to get relegated now. That's my that's my main goal for the rest of this season. They've uh, they're they're on the bad list. They are the new Stoke City. Yeah. Uh, so who who else do we call that? Fred had a, a good game again. Andres Pereira did all right. I mean, I, I was actually surprised. I, I think I said that uh, he did the defensive stuff really well in the attacking role. Is that four key passes and one assist no, in this I, game? So you know, yeah, I, think... I was going to say this game. This game that that felt quite unfair. The Newcastle game, I think, is probably more accurate. But this game, actually, I think he was quite influential in this game. Victor Lindelof and Maguire. Dealt with the physical stuff well. Lindelof m- more susceptible to the physical stuff than Maguire. Maguire more susceptible to the nippy, tiki taka stuff than Lindelof. Yeah, the, hey, they've got weaknesses that complement each other. <laughs> uh, but they both did really well, and United were solid at the back. Barely gave a chance away, I, I thought. And although it was one 0 it felt like United were in control all the time in, in this one. Just a, a just a really really solid win and. A surprising one, I think, yeah, for two, most people. Both games, I'd say. Both games kind of come under the heading of... I mean, listen, it is not like United's front three hit some sort of magical, undefendable groove. They did a lot a lot of good work. Oh, a quick shout-out to Marcus Rashford's 35-yard 35 35 knockable free kick on target that dipped and swerved right at the end and nearly tripped up Pope, but not quite. Um, yes, yeah, so he, really, he also put one into Rosette. Yeah, but that's, that's a knuckleball, isn't it? That's the, the difference between Rosette and the top corner is a, a fractional uh, execution difference with a knuckleball, isn't it? Um, but yeah, the... Uh, it was very helpful against both Newcastle and Burnley that we were gifted massive chances by them. That that if that could keep happening, that would be delightful. But this got to be good for confidence. And you know, we're now coming up to a game where actually, you know, this is the ultimate play to our strengths game, and we can be pretty confident of how this one's going to go tactically. And I guess we'll talk about that later in the show. We shall, yes. Uh, and I suppose that's... Any any other thoughts on Burnley other than good, solid win, well done, the lads? Yeah, oh, what fun it is to see United win away, etc. And so on. All right, so with that, we'll take another quick break and we'll be back with listener questions. Enjoy no question about that. If so, let others know about us. The best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. So, so the peeps have been asking questions. Any good ones, Paul? Yeah, um, Nathan J. Wilkinson says, uh, what, do you, what, do, what do the two of us do during the new 30-second break on the pod? Is it similar to boxing, where you, we both go back to our corners, get our foreheads sponged down, and we're given words of encouragement to come out for the, the next round? Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly like that. No, it's like all podcasts. Uh, you, uh, I don't know whether you've ever been to live podcasts showing where they have adverts. It's, uh, it goes something like this. And we'll take this quick break. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much, pretty much how it goes. Um, at Ritesh, at underscore Ritesh underscore Singh says, I enjoyed the conversation about intrinsic value of players. How much do you think United should play right now for a set pieces coach, given the opposition is more likely to score when we get a corner than we are? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, we've scored a couple of direct free kicks, or maybe one this season, but like absolutely nothing from corners. Wasn't isn't isn't it true that we haven't scored a goal from an indirect free kick for over a year? Um. Yeah, that sounds that sounds entirely I th- I, believable. I, th- I think that's right. Uh, which is shocking, really. Uh, and I mean, but briefly talking about the Burnley game again. This is the thing that Burnley actually do have a strength in and and exploit, but didn't. And United have defended them really well. But yes, uh, quite high intrinsic value in a specialist, uh, special teams coach or something like that. Um, at La False number 12 says, if one matter, gate friend of the show, obviously, if one matter gave you a copy of his autobiography, what personal message would he have written in it for you? <laughs> and also is Dan James made of adamantium? Yes, saw yes. that, saw that yeah. post, Tarek. Keep, keep on is. podding, here's to another 400, something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you really could be the best United podcasters if only you put your mind to it, something, something like that. Um, <laughs> I, I thought they were nice, positive, upbeat, motivational messages. Yeah, but on the other hand, it is worth saying that this is the most Alan Partridge move in the history of Alan Partridge moves. He literally gave his own book and naturally I had the last laugh to all the people in the United dressing room. Yes. Did everyone get one? I hope they did. I hope he didn't leave anyone out. I'd like it if on the on the uh, back page it just said, why haven't you signed up to Common Goal yet? Um <laughs> At 1878, Dale says, Mum says you can have one biscuit out of the tin. What do you go for? I mean, obviously it depends what's in the tin, but let's say a fairly sort of standardised collection. I, 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 think... I have to say I've eaten a lot of biscuits this Christmas. <laughs> I don't normally. I, I normally refrain from that kind of thing. But I had, um, I had four days off my diet. So this has been like the biggest part of my life in the last year. But I had four days off the diet, which I'm back on now. And I'm so relieved because by the end of those four days, I did not feel good. I did (laughs) did not feel good. Um, My current favourite biscuits are these um, soft brownie cookies um, that they sell in the supermarket. Supermarket own brand ones. I'm pretty sure the same company's making all of them. I, I I like a nice big, yeah, a nice big chewy cookie. Yeah. That kind of freshly baked thing, but if it had to be a brand name thing, it might it might be something like a Jammy Dodger. I'm big, I'm pretty big fan okay. of Jammy Dodgers. So, if you had the choice between like a Jammy Dodger and a Jam Cream, which one would you go for? What's a Jam Cream exactly? Like, so it's 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 the same. It's a cream like two biscuits. There's a bit of jam in the middle, and then like a, a kind of biscuity fondanty cream between the two biscuits. It's basically the same thing. Just yeah, but there's, there's no, no, no. There's no, there's, there's no like um, fondant cream layer in a jammy dodger. It's just jam. Oh, it's just jam. Oh biscuits. no, maybe yeah. I go for the cream bit. No, yeah, now yeah. I'm thinking about it. I, I like an Oreo as well. When you talk really? about really, yeah. yeah. I, I, the thing about an Oreo is it, it feels like it should be kind of exciting, but actually it's quite a bland taste. Good, Ooh. like Ooh. classically Ooh. good with milk, Ooh. obviously. Ooh. I think, but um, you can get of, a whole range of flavors now. Uh, no question about that. Brought to you by Oreos. <laughs> it's only a matter of time, baby. Um, the uh, the the kind of biscuit biscuit that I like best is a ginger cream, a Fox's ginger cream. Oh, oh my god! So it's, like, a, it's a solid shout. Yeah, absolutely. It really like intense childhood nostalgia because my dad liked them. Um, anyway, 
Good, good biscuit chat. I enjoyed that. Can we do that every week, please? Um, okay, at Miles Bailey, back to football now, boo, says, I've heard of confidence players, but has the phrase confidence team ever been applied to a football club? Because right now, nothing describes Man United better. Could anyone but the motivational genius Sir Alex Ferguson coax consistency out of this squad? Yeah. Can Ole? Well, he hasn't yet. The funniest thing that happened all weekend was um, the reaction shot of Fergie in the crowd when he took when Ollie took Martial off for sure. Not a thing that Fergie would have done. <laughs> it's safe to say, no. or he wasn't best pleased. Yeah, look, I think that's a fair shout. It, it doesn't hurt. At the risk of uh, answering this was a cliche. It doesn't half feel like United could do with some real leadership in that dressing room or on that pitch because. At the times when United are not blowing hot, we need someone to say, right, OK. And, and and this is the thing, and we're going to talk about, I think, Zlatan on the backers pod. Um, or no, a bit later. Um, and Zlatan, who's gone to AC Milan this week. But this is the thing that he gave United more than anything was this kind of leadership at, at the time when uh, that team, a fragile team, really needed it. Uh, and it doesn't feel like there's really anyone in this team that actually has got you know when that that um that piece that came out after the Watford game when apparently Solskjaer didn't go into the dressing room straight away afterwards he left them there to stew expecting the players to sort it out and apparently no one said a thing yeah and that's it's really interesting isn't it I mean this is the Mourinho thing this is why Mourinho has struggled so much because he can't connect with this generation of players they need something different and I don't actually think that that is an inherently bad thing because uh it is it does create a new set of challenges but you know I was listening I was watching the the documentary uh hey guess what I was watching more England World Cup cricket content because it's the end of the year and there's been more England World Cup cricket content and there's this thing about the, the the players talking about the the World Cup England's World Cup run in general and one of the things that Morgan stressed was that it is fine and normal to be extra nervous going into World Cup games and he stressed this to the whole squad that like it is completely you don't have to pretend that this is the same as any other game because it's not the same as any other game and then um, later on, there was there was a thing. I think it was before the final, before the semi final, where Ben Stokes talked to them all and talked about being nervous. And Mark Wood is like, you know, lovable Geordie fast bowler, was like, oh my god, if Ben Stokes is nervous, it's completely fine that I'm nervous. So like, the developing the idea that emotional vulnerability is a reasonable part of the human condition and you don't all have to be Roy Keane automatons who are destroying other aspects of their life in order to funnel masculinity into their job like I think that is inherently fine but there does need to be some sort of balance about yeah no look there's there's another part to this though which is leadership leadership is a real thing and this is not running around the pitch screaming at other players it's saying I know what needs to be done in this situation and guys Maybe you don't all, or you're not sure, or you can't step back far enough to see it, but I can, and this is what we need to do. And actually, that's what both Morgan and Stokes did in those two examples. It was like, that is what contemporary leadership in a sporting environment should look like. If Owen Morgan could somehow be the United captain, I think that would be, that'd be yeah. good. Plus, we need someone to stick it up and, and again. 
We've got Brandon Williams for that. Um, a very nice message from Wasim uh, Velji uh, saying saying thank you and wishing us all the best for the new year. That's much, much, much appreciated. Um, and then I guess we've got to take this question that's come in from multiple different sources. We'll just take this one from Steve 2.0 across to Keeper, who says, did United really need Haaland regardless of the price? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's well, I mean, look, I mentioned it earlier whether it's Haaland or someone else, I do think United need another forward. Uh, it could be a, a player who's sort of more outside in or a, or a number nine because we've seen Rashford flourish coming in off the left. I don't think that's necessarily that he can't play centre forward, but he, he struggled a little bit. The dynamic of the team wasn't quite right uh, when he had that long period at number nine this season, but United are a, an injury away from going back to that. Uh, and, and so more more... More attacking resources are needed. I think it's been framed a lot in social media as, well, we'd rather have a, a, an attacking midfielder. Anyway, why is it binary? I mean, United are quite sure of the best teams. We have two transfer windows per season. Are we saying that the January one is completely out? Because we're not exactly functional in the summer one either. So, you know, it, it, we cannot get a lot of deal, deals done. Across the transfer window, use all the uh, all the time you've got, and and United's significant resources. I mean, it will be it will be completely negligent if United don't bring a midfielder in, because we're even more desperate there. Uh, but I can understand why the manager may well want a very talented young attacking player, and for him to be a forward, I can understand that. Yeah, and I think like. Let's talk about the Haaland thing in in specifics. I mean, every big club in or this is all based on you know what picked up from. I don't know anything about any of this. Literally nothing. I haven't talked to anyone anywhere uh, connected to any of it. Um, but apparently, loads and loads and loads of big clubs wanted Haaland. Juventus wanted Haaland, and United did. And RB Leipzig are not on the same level, but there's the RB connection there wanted him and he's ended up at Dortmund and that isn't just because United are bad at doing transfer deals like that there's no I mean it's it, it appears to be and everyone's saying the same thing basically because United have briefed it that yeah I was were... going to say this there's a there's a <coughs> Edward Edward's reason why everyone's yeah. saying the same thing so so what United are saying is they'd have paid the agent fee and they paid the transfer fee, which is not very much. Twenty-two million euros, absolute bargain. I mean, if he, if he, look, even if he doesn't rise above this level now, as someone who can score goals in the Champions League, is a twenty-two million um, euro forward. Um, but they didn't want to agree to a buyout clause, which would have lost some control of any future transfer. And and also, I can kind of understand. Like buyout clauses are for either when you have to because it's in the EFA demands it in Spain uh, and then you set it really, really high. Or for small clubs who are stepping stones, not for Manchester United and our big swinging dick. I mean, I guess that, the, you know, it was very convenient that that was the spin that came out immediately after the deal went flat. It could just could well be that he's looked around and gone, oh, it's going to be absolutely mint going to play for Dortmund. Like, I'm already in Austria, so it's just a, a little hop, you know. And Dortmund, right now, for a young striker, 
Well, sure, but I mean they're they're not in they're not in great shape at the moment. They're, I mean they've got Pablo Alassar, who's his main competition, so maybe he sees an easier path into the team. Although, look, I, you know, I'm not looking at United and going he can't if he's as talented as he is, he can't force his way into the team. Of course he can. You know, United are going to have a lot of games, uh, and we're very thin up front. So I think that'd have been very short sighted. I, I I suspect. I mean maybe maybe it's maybe it's him but i suspect he's looking him he's him and the agent are looking at the next transfer uh, and that's played a really significant role and it does with most mino raiola transfers and if you don't agree to the terms the uh, you get a drama for several years don't you and it, it seems to me that that it you know he's going to be the number one first choice striker there in a way that he wouldn't at United and okay they are seven points off the top of the Bundesliga but it's like Mönchengladbach at top of the Bundesliga it's really open that 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 Bundesliga title race this season and there's a really exciting attacking dynamic lineup that he slots straight into in a much more obvious way than the exciting attacking dynamic at United and the also just the, the level of pressure is going to be so different, uh, you know, to, to come to United, you're banging the spotlight all the time. And also, we killed his dad. Well, That's surely, well, well you know. no, Roy Keane killed him, nearly. <laughs> anyway, given you know. our midfield resources, we, we might well want to turn to his dad. He could probably get a game for us. <laughs> yeah, um, so not a massive surprise that Haaland doesn't come, but but yeah. Uh, obviously, a lot of people very disappointed because people have been super hyped about that one. Uh, Scott from Republic of Mancunia with the last question of the week says, Rashford has now scored more goals for us than Van Persie, Berbatov and Chicharito. He's number 35 on the all-time United top scorers charts. Shout out to Cal for that stat. How old do you think he'll be when he breaks Rooney's goal scoring record? Bracket sometime, something I know we'll all be devastated about. Hashtag agenda. Um... I think that Rashford will break Rooney's scoring record when he is thirty. I do. I, I do think he'll do it though. I, I really. Genuinely so he's got do. fifty something goals for United now. So he's got another three hundred to go or so. That's a. I mean, he has to stay. He has to stay fit. Uh, he's got fifty something in the league. So maybe he's got more overall. I can't remember them. But Paul's looking it up as we speak. So he's going to have to stay fit for the next 10 years or so in order to do it probably i i i don't know if he's going to develop into a 30 plus goal a season striker rooney had a couple of those as we talked about um on the christmas special go download it now it's good and so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh factors that we can't determine just yet He's got to be thing, fit and he's got to play for United for a long time, obviously. The thing that I was looking up wasn't how many goals Rashford scored. It was, you said Rooney's got 350, but he's got 253. So that's considerable. Like that, that was the number that I thought, that nah, doesn't sound right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's 100 goals fewer. That's quite substantial. Uh, well, he'll in, do it in a couple of years' time then. No problem. <laughs> it's coming. All right, so um, I guess we'll take a, another break where we'll go back to our corners, be sponged down have encouraging words, and then come back with an Arsenal preview. Ooh, matron. I I spent the break recovering from Ed ending the last segment with ooh, matron. What, I, I thought, sponge, sponge bath? No, no. Sure, no. sure, sure. Yeah, I get you. I was thinking of just, it's always innocent. You've got to remember that about me. We're playing Arsenal. Um, we talked about a very funny game against Arsenal in the Christmas special. 
I suspect we probably won't win this game 8-2, but there is every chance that this game could be funny because, I mean, it could be a disaster because we might turn out this is the time we didn't succeed in soaking up the pressure and hitting them on the break. But I think given Arteta is there to, like, rebuild the Arsenal way, and having said that Arsenal are the biggest club in Britain, (laughs) what metric are you using, Mikel? Um, anyway. Most number of viewers for a fan TV channel. <laughs> oh, I really didn't like it when all those people gathered around the Arsenal fan TV people and were shouting at them. It felt horrible, that did. But anyway, that's that's a whole other discussion. Um, but yeah, uh, Arsenal lost today. Um, in so in will quite Arte- funny circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> will Arteta still be in a job by the time we get there on Wednesday? Who, who knows? I mean, <laughs> I, mean I did, uh, after a few minutes, I... Uh, I, yeah, I'm kind of mused in the uh, WhatsApp group that uh, Lampard might be on his way, having <laughs> lost four of the last five. Uh, Roman might not be too pleased with another defeat. And it really looked like that was going to happen, didn't it, until 80-something minutes. Uh, Chelsea got extremely lucky, so Arsenal will be feeling pretty sore about this one. But they're not a great team at the moment, even though there's some elements uh, that Arteta is trying to push into the team straight away, especially when they don't have the ball. You know, So um, this is a team that hasn't worked very hard off the ball for quite some time now. Um, and he's quite insistent that they're going to work much harder off the ball. Uh, and so I guess we should be prepared for an Arsenal team that does some pressing. They're still going to be rubbish everywhere else on the pitch though, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, like Aubameyang is really <laughs> good. And Lacazette is... That has a, does some stuff well. I don't think I could say that he's really good in the same way. The rest of them, I mean, I don't don't know that there's. I mean, not that United are any particularly great shakes at the moment, but I'm not sure there's many players in that Arsenal side who would trouble the United first team. And that is saying oh God, something, no. given that we basically put half the Leicester squad in our first team when we were asked that question a little while. I mean, ago. you look, you run through the the key players at Arsenal; they all have weaknesses. So, uh, Lino, the goalkeeper, highly inconsistent. I mean, he can, he can be brilliant, but often he's not. Uh, Aubameyang, I mean, his major weakness at the moment is he wants out of the club. Will they play Luis and Socrates at the back? I mean, Mustafi, Mustafi, Mustafi played against Chelsea. They're which is all like... extremely slow. I mean, I'm going. I'm looking for Dan James going through the middle because he's going to cause some real trouble there. You've got the captain, Granit Xhaka. Who, who apparently has already agreed to transfer out of the club, who the fans hate and has been stripped of the captaincy, although Arteta is a fan. Um, and and you've got Nicolas Pepe, their biggest ever signing, who was supposed to be the player that led them back into the top four, who's had an absolutely horrible season. Two goals and two assists for um, 80-odd million pounds uh, the worst- of talent. <laughs> The worst thing I've ever heard said about a footballer, which was on the excellent, the excellent Touchline Fracard podcast, uh, someone said that he can only score, he's only scored from set pieces, he can only score when the other players aren't allowed to move. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, unfair, but maybe true. Yeah, very, very um, And then you've got Mesut Ozil, who's been like ostracised, although back in, now back in the frame, but ostracised for so long and they're just trying to drive him out of the club because he's bankrupting Arsenal. So, yeah, because so cause many Wenger's, problems with that club. Wenger's parting gift was to give 
as he's the opposite of what um Fergie tried to do with Rooney isn't it uh, um uh, he locked locked Ozil down to that big 300k a week contract yeah, we've we've just got Ed Woodward to thank for doing that kind of thing <laughs> yeah exactly um it's weird like there's no reason whatsoever not to be confident going into this one we've just won two on the bounce playing quite well we were absolutely dreadful against Watford but before that we were in a good moment we beat City and we beat Tottenham and in the the Styles makes fights that we've been talking about all season this is the absolutely perfect matchup for this United side so there's no reason not to feel confident now can I sit here, look you in the eye, Ed, over this Google Hangouts connection and tell you that I feel confident about this game? No, sir. No, sir, I cannot do that. That would be a lie. Match um, previews brought to you by Google Hangouts. <laughs> you're just going to have to, guys, you're just going to have to look out for the product placement now. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be subtle. Yeah. Uh, Let me just open this can of festive Coca-Cola. I'm I'm just drinking some Elmhurst Spring still natural mineral water from Asda. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Peckham um, Spring was that? Uh no, no no, not not quite. Um but yeah, it this game uh there's no reason not to predict a United win for this game. And yet and, and yet, yet you don't feel I have, well, like I, have I think the, the, fear. the the thing that you have the fear about is Arsenal have some talented players, sure. Um, but we don't know which United are, are going to turn up. Is it the That's, good United or the bad United? This is exactly it, because if we make a couple of mistakes early defensively, then everything starts to unravel really, really quickly. And all this hard-won confidence is, you know, like you talked about the lack of leaders, that immediately starts to negatively impact the team. And yeah. um, it's a, it isn't, you know... Basically, I think whoever scores first wins this game, um, and I, I I think it'll be us. Like I, I'm going to predict a win first time in a while. Actually, maybe I shouldn't. Although actually, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever to the destiny of the results, as we've proved time and time and time again for literally ten years. So everybody, stop telling us that it does. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go over two one United win for this one. I think we'll win. I'm, I feel irrationally confident about this one, so I'm going to go for a 2-0 United win. Uh, and look, I, Arsenal are just, it's not a good side. They give up so many shots, just so many. I mean, it's 30% more shots they give up than they take, uh, even though their goal difference is you know, basically somewhere near zero, isn't it? But um, they, they, they are living on some borrowed time. They're pretty weak in midfield. Of course, that's our weakest area. We don't know whether Pogba will play. Will he play? Will they save him for they give him an hour? Will they save him for, from the bench? I think maybe they'll give him an hour. And well, I mean, that McTominay, I, 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 I'm all, what are they saving him for? Like Wolves away in the FA Cup. I would be, I'd be prioritising the Arsenal game over that for sure. Sure, no, given the position United are now in, if we were still 10, 12 points off fourth, then you might want to prioritise a trophy. Yeah, but we're um, fourth, we're fourth, we're four points off. Yeah. And, you know, that's we, only... We were three minutes away from being one point off. <laughs> yeah, but, but 
lol, Arsenal. Um, hopefully we can get three points from... I mean, you know, and Chelsea clearly have got some pretty substantial weaknesses of their own. So like having thought that fourth place was absolutely ridiculous, and I still struggle to believe that United have got the squad, especially if we don't add the squad depth and the consistency to, to kind of overhaul teams that are above us in the league. But it's not out of the question, is it? So I'm going with De Gea... I think it'll be Shaw back again in this one. Yeah, pretty sure uh, it will be. Yeah, and then uh, Maguire and Lindelof, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Pogba, Fred, and then James. I wonder whether you go, it's the Emirates play Jesse Lingard. <laughs> no, Pereira shouldn't be dropped at this point. So James, Pereira, Rashford, Martial. Mm, I, I, I suspect that Lingard will be in. I, I think he may be, well be in just because... Um, he gives United some more defensive solidity. Just, I mean, from a Does forward he? position, from sort per- of compared to Pereira. Is there See, is there evidence for that? I don't know that there is, and I, I certainly couldn't look at his interception rate or anything <laughs> like that. But um, I, I, yeah, I suspect he comes into these big games just because of his sort of movement and work rate and working from the front and stuff like that. And and if Fred and Pogba the the double pivot behind, hmm. There's, there's definitely some weakness there, but I mean, we're against a rubbish Arsenal midfield, so. Yeah, and, and like, I, I do think for all the things you can criticise Pereira for, like lack of dynamism, defensive dynamism just isn't one of them. So I, I wonder whether you say, well, actually, he's just had probably the best game of his United career so far in terms of chance creation and all that kind of stuff. He's He played well in the game before that too. Is this, is this, and, it, and there is a fair old gap because it's like, Saturday evening to Wednesday evening, that's a, a reasonable length of, of time. I wonder whether you just go and Lingard can come off the bench in the second half. I was thinking about that when you were we'll talking see, about... We'll see, so it's a Matic and Mata double pivot then. <laughs> you were, When you were talking about uh, lack of options earlier, I was just thinking, yeah, it's interesting that we do... We ended up against Newcastle with a front three that was... I think it was Lingard, Mata and maybe Rashford was the one that stayed on. Uh, against Newcastle maybe it was Greenwood actually that stayed on and you just like okay yeah we are one injury away from you know or certainly certainly on the wing two injuries away from real trouble Mm because you know Greenwood could play centre forward as well like Greenwood could lean the line um in in that situation but yeah there isn't the depth there anyway we'll leave uh, it there should we call that a podcast We'll call it a podcast. Thanks for listening, folks. Patreon backers, stay tuned for chat about what we think is going to happen in football in 2020. Everyone else, we'll see you on Friday. Back to our normal schedule. Great. With midweek games being covered and, and two podcasts a week. Awesome. See you see then. You then.